me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. <laughs> Matt, feels like ages since we recorded a <laughs> podcast, but um, I guess the audience won't know that. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. It has been a little while. Um, it's good to see your face. I suspect most, suspect most people listen to this, so they don't they don't see us so much. But it is good to see you. You're yeah. back safe. Mm. Well, you're jumping the gun in terms of the format, but um, but yes, I'm just I'm keen. Back. Just you know me, I'm just keen, <laughs> keen baby, keen. <laughs> back, back safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess we can uh, we can kick off with my little story about what I've been up to. Yeah well, yeah, well, I'd love to hear it. I was very jealous. So please tell the listeners what you've been up to, mate. <laughs> so this is fourth summit attempt uh, on Mount Kilimanjaro in in uh, Tanzania. The highest freestanding mountain in the world. Um, peak, peak is 5,000. I'm gonna, I always get this wrong. I'm rubbish at remember numbers. 5,985, I think. I always say 5,895, but I think it's 5,000. I think it's just shy of 6,000 meters. Um, yeah, and yeah, we're successful. So um, I led a group up, uh, a group of property investors, no less. Um, Ten people, we got nine to the summit. Very, very good. Um, and yeah, fourth time I've done it. Okay, so uh, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Did you yeah. say? That's good. Yep. And a, and a fourth attempt for you. Now you said fourth attempt. What does what, what does that mean that you've tried and failed, or you've this is fourth successful attempt? You've you've been at the top that, that, four times. That's yeah, I've been to the top four times. That's humble, humbling mountaineering speak. Ah, uh, okay. I see. <laughs> I see. I do know. I have a friend actually who who didn't make it. Uh, very fit guy, but. Yeah, just suffered with a bit of the old altitude sickness. Mm. And uh, yeah, he was absolutely fuming about it. But I think it got quite um, quite dangerous for him, actually. So it was a, it was a good thing that they, they said, no, Simon. But congrats, yes. man. That's great. Nine, nine out of 10 up to the top. You've been up there again. Um, how did you even get into that? It's not something that we've ever discussed. Well, that's I'm a man of many hats. As we kind of, <laughs> kind of touched on that a few times, but yeah, I mean, for fear, uh, fear of derailing the whole podcast, but talking about Kilimanjaro, um, yeah, what was I going to say? Uh, just back to your mate who didn't get up. Um, often it's guys who don't necessarily have a problem that that struggle with the altitude, like so fit and healthy uh, youngsters actually. Um, so if you're young and you're listening to this podcast, um, y- your brain is bigger than it will be in 10, 20 years time. Uh, Therefore, you're going to be more uh, susceptible to mountain sickness, altitude, um, because uh, one of the problems is the swelling, which makes you nauseous, headaches, all that sort of thing. Uh, and obviously the more serious stuff as well, but, but generally speaking. So I've never t- never, never, never felt any, any of the symptoms because my brain's tiny. So it's not a problem. <laughs> is it? Is it? I mean, I, did, I didn't know that. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Like I said, all I know well, is that My brain was tiny. Was a... oh. <laughs> yeah no no well let's not talk about that uh no that it was you know the young the younger guys and girls they suffer a little bit more with it um can i ask a question is it true that if you smoke fags then you you're gonna better chance to summit is there anything in that <laughs> well that is a good question. <laughs> no, arguably, um, I'm not going to promote smoking to get get to the top of the mountain. Um, there was a guy on this expedition that was a smoker and just and and had no problems at all. And he had a cigarette on the summit and was absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, hilarious, really hilarious. I mean, I think we all we all know people that defy science, and he was one of those guys, like a skin and bone builder who you know can lay bricks for 18 hours um nothing to him smokes like a chimney drinks like a fish um yeah and and didn't have any dramas <laughs> God, good for him that's what i say mm. we all know is, it, is that called the yeah. auntie jane isn't it so the exception that proves the rule so we're not here to promote smoking obviously but um obviously didn't do him any harm 
And the fact that he lit up on the top, that's, that is in and, it's in and of itself quite difficult, I suspect, at 6,000, 6,000-ish metres with a, with a stiff wind. Yeah. And it, it's it like a flamethrower. I've got... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, well, that was the one I put on Instagram. That was quite a funny one, I think, wasn't it? Was I put that on Instagram? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm just, I'm just marvelling at him uh, lighting up on the top. I mean, there is still a part of me that yeah. thinks, and it's not kids, but that smoking is cool. It just looks cool. It's becoming less and less cool. But if you're going to smoke a fag, you might as well be on the top of this, <laughs> the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but like I said, I always we're not promoting say, fags. I always used to, <laughs> I always used to say I'm, I was never cool enough to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't want to, so right, anyway. uh, I'm, you're, you're being a little bit humble, a bit shy about this. So you don't want to be hogging the podcast, talking about another successful attempt up Kilimanjaro, but let's just say congrats. Sounds, sounds like a cool trip. Something that I've definitely wanted to do all the way back. Uh, I was probably like in the early nineties, I had a teacher, uh, we used to live in Kenya and he proposed to another teacher at the school on the top of Kilimanjaro. And that was like, the first kind of real time that I took it in, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But no, I've never done it. I've never done any really man- mountaineering, never tested myself in that way. So congrats to you. Yeah, so I think, yeah, and, and that's a cool story. That's a cool story, uh, proposing on top. I think I would like, probably we should just do a podcast just on Kilimanjaro and mountain training and what, what my, in my two cents on, on how to prep for an expedition like that. Um, it's not in some regards mountaineers kind of turn their nose up at that mountain because it's there's nothing technical about it um and also you get a lot of amateur kind of hikers and trekkers trying to summit so uh it it but genuinely it's it, it's a high mountain um a lot higher than mont blanc and, and that everyone thinks that's a cool summit i've done that one <laughs> um uh but very very different and the altitude kicks in the ass every single person including myself um but it's an incredible experience and i recommend anyone that wants that's thinking about doing it just to go for it um and uh yeah maybe we go into a bit more detail on on how you would prepare for an expedition like that on a on another podcast seeing as we're already prepped this well i'll be learning a, i'd be le- yeah i mean i'd be learning a lot on that because like i said it's, it's just not uh, mountaineering just not in my repertoire um at all so yeah i look forward to that that'd be good i'd be learning a lot on that one <clears throat> but you're back yeah, anyway and straight back. back into being a dad straight back into mm. new job how's things since you got back readjusted yes uh not really <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's good it's tough coming back actually i think um you do an expedition like that it's complete break from reality for like six and a half seven days on the mountain you don't have phone access you don't have the internet you're not in communication with the people that you'd normally be in communication with including loved ones um incredible. the problem with that is you come back and life is just very different so you kind of swing back into things very quickly and then usually about a week 10 days afterwards everyone just has a massive kind of blue period um mountain blues uh because you know things just don't in you don't integrate on a subconscious level i don't think as, as quickly but you obviously do in terms of like having your phone on speaking to people and all, all work stuff that cracks on so yeah so i think um it's, it's been interesting and, and and every time i've had that kind of like dip and i sort of contacted the group that, that i led last week about you know tune up this is all right this is normal <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think i think i'm through that now and, and kind of on to the to the next new thing really um which from a training perspective, if, if this is my training update, then um, yeah, so I'm not doing much strength training to, at the moment at all, um, but I'm doing lots of running because I'm uh, training for the London Marathon <laughs> in, in a few weeks. Okay, so just well, just going back to, have you knowing, sorry, because you've got experience of mountaineering, that mountain in particular as well, you were obviously leading the group so you can be um, the person of experience when it comes to that latent feeling of the blues um but you having experienced it before 
were presumably a little bit more prepared for it. So what did you, did you do anything specific coming back training wise, giving yourself space to, you know, feel those things both physically and mentally because you've experienced it before? What did you put in place? Um, I think, what did I put in place? So probably nothing, nothing physical in terms of training. Um, I, I, I sort of, I think, I don't think that's a requirement, certainly not for me because you, you've been at altitude. So you're, you're kind of the oxygenation and your, and your, um, cardiovascular health should be very, very good unless you've had any problems. Um, so, so, you know, you're going to breathe a bit easier at sea level when you've been up at altitude, um, from a psychological perspective, try not to put too much on my plate, which might sound silly given the, the, the kind of weeks that I have, but, um, but yeah, take things easy. And I certainly did that last week. I had lots of gaps between, um, coaching calls, gaps between meetings, um, and time to kind of just take things easy. I think there's a temptation to dive in and be really busy because you almost want to forget about the, the, the beauty and the, the, you know, the, the way the restful mind that you had on the mountain, because you don't have that option anymore. Um, so people kind of throw themselves back into being busy when they get kind of sad. Um, but I think that's, that's a, that can be a bit of a trap because then you're not processing. Um, so yeah, that's probably the, the mechanism that, that I employed. Nice. And uh, yeah, you just quietly just slipped in the London Marathon there. I don't remember you telling me that you were doing that either. So, is this <laughs> a, a, is this a late yeah. decision? Did you get a, are you running for a charity? Did you is this just something that has just slipped me by? What's going on? No, so it's very late decision. Um, I was asked to guide someone uh, for the blind veterans, and I could well I, do, I could have said no, obviously, but I didn't I didn't say no. Um, and it turns out he's quite a it's quite a good quite a good runner so i need to sort my uh sort my life Damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay there's a guy actually i've um i shook his hand just recently another blind vet in the commando temple which maybe we'll get onto a gym that you and i have um know a lot about now and a guy called jakey mm. and he lost his uh sight as part of um one of his tours to afghanistan uh, back in the day and it might, he's an absolute weapon of a human in terms of uh, what he can do in the gym considering he can't see anything and he's off to um, off to base camp so he's doing a trip to base camp this year uh, with a mind to summit I think don't quote me but I think to summit the following year so he's he's off out there with Incredible. a special special forces team but yeah i mean i just saw him doing box jumps the other day in the gym and i was like well yeah fair enough i mean they are soft and that's you know there's no risk of hitting your shins but just a real yeah fair play to him really cool yeah yeah man it's <clears> impressive <throat> that is impressive but yeah so london marathon coming up in i think i've got four weeks of training <laughs> um right so and don't, uh, don't try that you're home. doing anything don't try that at home kids. don't try it at home yeah don't try it at home are you but being a man in the industry and you know you let's let's assume that you've got a little bit more um knowledge than 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 the normal punter out there how are you approaching four weeks of marathon training are you going at it hard well I've, I've, I've had 10 i've had 10 weeks so i had, I had i've got 10 i had 10 weeks notice basically to to do a marathon um and again <laughs> this could be a whole podcast on its own i guess um but yeah so um uh am i going hard or soft i think i'm priority is uh protect against injury um before the event because i don't have very get much to the time start line. and yeah get to the start line is a priority However, I need to balance that with doing as much training as possible. So the, the, the process that I'm following is I'm, I'm, I'm running every other day, um, but I'm not maxing out speed or distance when I run. So where I, I so for today, for example, I think I probably could have pushed to about 10 miles, but I stopped at eight um, and tempo wise. So speed wise, I, um, I, yeah, I took it easy on the second half. Because again, I'm just trying to protect myself all the time, um, and and also get as many miles in my legs per week before the training. So uh, that's the, the thing that we. Ends, which will be. Yeah, that's the thing that's. I mean, I'm no runner, but I've um, trained lots of people to do the London Marathon and or supported them through it. Not the running specific, but some of the gym stuff as well. But uh, certainly, some of the coaching or a lot of the coaching um, is around. Um, 
you know, almost, I think people feel like you're holding them back a little bit, just what well, we call it load management, because the temptation is just to get, you know, you do five, then six, then seven, and then eight, then nine, and you just keep sort of linearly loading, like adding the miles in. Uh, and running is, it, it can be hard on the body. And a lot of people, you know, the simple fact is that they are just very underprepared for running. You know, the London, a marathon, half marathon might be the first kick in terms of doing it for lots of people. That's like, that is the um, urgency. That's the thing in the future that they've decided to do and they haven't done any running <laughs> previously. And um, it kind of does feel good mentally uh, for a lot of people, but that physically it can catch up with you. So just managing that load through the body is something that is is really important. And actually a lot of people mess it up. That's for sure. Because... There is a, like I said, there is an urgency to get the miles or to feel like you're getting the miles into the body by hook or by crook. Um, so, yeah, with yeah. 10, it's a bad, delicate balancing act for you with 10 weeks. Although, you know, your start position isn't catch the 5K, is it? No, 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 no. I, yeah, obviously, I've run marathons before. So, this isn't going to be my first marathon with 10 weeks training. Um, but yeah, and, and that's that's a it's, a it's a worthwhile point to kind of labour the one that you're making really is is like it. I think of all the disciplines that I've certainly done and certainly coached in, and I'm aware of um, running is the one that I see where people get their training wrong the most. Um, and we, we've talked a little bit about why run. Um, we won't go into that. <laughs> that's a can of worms. But but in terms of training strategies and then trying to adhere to that training strategy running is where i see people messing it up the most um and the, the, the classic coaching comment is also always like you 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 know because you you tend to have this split where you do a shorter run and a longer run in in a week it's like a training block um the, the the shorter run you're doing too slow and the longer run you're doing too fast and therefore you're you're kind of exacerbating injuries you're not getting the training effects of the of those training sessions um and adding miles becomes problematic that that's in it, like that, that's the easiest explanation i can give of why people don't do things properly when it comes to running um and i think what you say is it's kind of like the one side of it is people are desperate to get the miles in um and then put themselves at risk or exposure of injury and then the other side is people don't do the training um, maybe because they've got a few niggles, so they don't put the miles in. They just do the frequency, and then on come race day, whether you're doing a half or full, like you hit mile 15, and you're like, yeah, I feel alright, you know. And then mile by mile 18, you're you're bleeding, you know, and and it becomes a very very long day. Um, and I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> and when I did my first <laughs> yeah. marathons, exactly was my approach. Well, I have no experience of of you know doing any. Um, marathon half marathon training myself but I know as a slightly heavier gentleman like up over 95 kilos that you know you do have to be careful about getting the body ready to do to hit the road that that hard um, and to prepare yourself for that one of the things that I've been <clears throat> keen to pass on to people is that if you are looking for not just the miles on the road but also that cardiovascular um adaptation that you don't always have to get that well you just don't have to get it by doing more running obviously the closer you get to a marathon the more specific you need to be and you need to you know that your training will reflect that you're doing the longer runs the tempo runs and all that kind of stuff but if you've got a lot of lead time up let's say you've got a whole year to train for it you can do a lot of that cardiovascular work on a bike <clears throat> so get your feet off the ground and you can get the air into the lungs get the physiological adaptation by doing it that way and therefore you don't have to hit the road as much and you can really take your time with almost you know like a couch to 5k approach um and get that tissue resilience in the feet and the achilles calves that kind of stuff um at the same time as you know because that running sometimes can hold you back like if i go for a run now my heart rate is like just because i just have a big lad it just goes up too high to get the zone two heart rate effect. And so I'm better off training in that zone two initially, get my feet off the ground, maybe in the pool, but even I don't do a lot of swimming either. So that would probably be hard as well. And then just give yourself, yeah, give your, your body and the tissues in the lower legs 
uh, in the legs time to sort of catch up to where you need to be. Yeah. But people that, often think that they've only got to do it or do it running, you know, Oh, I, I'm doing a run. So yeah. everything has to be running. Well, you know, there are other things that you can do in order to help you along the way. Yeah. 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 And, and like intervals on the bike, can build incredible resilience in the legs people talk about um, getting the miles into the legs that's that is it that is a, a good way to do it um probably more effective certainly tight in terms of when you're time pressured uh in in terms of and especially if you've got like a hilly event building strength in those legs to to climb mm. hills uh intervals on the bike so you can do a 40 minute interval on the bike that i think would equate in from certainly my personal experience and a couple of guys i put this this system through put through this system uh in 40 minutes on the bike you can do what you you would end up doing two hours on the road running so you know it's it's short shorter shot basically and and you can get Mm. that you can get that feedback but to your point as well and again it's one of the big failings to my earlier point is like the being analytical and and sticking to a heart rate measurement for example if you're kind of new to it or or a distance or a tempo or speed um factor i think is is really hard we're not used to training like that necessarily <clears throat> whereas, well, whereas heard, in other, other yeah. fields of life you do well i've heard stories about people that are like very successful um in the short races you know they do they're rapid at the park run they're rapid 10ks that kind of stuff but they want to kick on and do that longer stuff and when you actually look at them the thing that they're missing from a training perspective, not not just running because you enjoy it, that's different. Certainly under my model, you know, training is going to be looking at the buckets that you haven't filled. Where can we get the best return on investment? And often these people are just running and revving way too high and you can't rev that high for 18, 25 miles. You can do it for a 10K. So the, ret- the return on investment is to do more runs where you are much, much slower. And that is quite hard for people to do when they're used to doing their 10 K and that has a certain feel to it. And then you're saying, right, I know, but we are now training. We need to get you better at the stuff that you're crap at and you're crap at running at this. Um, But I've had somebody who's going to do the London marathon now, Sarah, and she's seen. I'm just on a call. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. Maybe I'll just keep going. Um, it's, uh, yeah, having, having an event has made it much easier for us to actually commit to doing that long, slow stuff, the heart rate stuff without that, she would just want to run in the way that she runs at a park run, but that's not going to get her better at running the marathon. So just have having the urgency of an event has enabled her to lean into the training aspect of running a marathon which is very different from just going for a run to get a nice feeling you know and it does yeah. i don't think that matters where you where you're at in your journey you can be of like high level athlete or you know there is a subjective feeling that we're all looking for from exercise and sometimes our training doesn't provide that <laughs> um but by doing that training you're going to perform better at the event so yeah, and I think um, sorry for the interruption, mate. Um, I think yeah, well, how the, rude! Y- <laughs> as soon as you hit record, someone's someone's going to open the door. You know it. <laughs> um, the the point you made there about like doing events is is the best practice as well. So if if you know that was that would be that would be good advice. Is like sign up for an event, like the the main event you want to do. So say you want to do a marathon. Um, give yourself enough time and then in between now and the marathon sign up for like two half marathons or a couple of 10 Ks or something, just so you get into kind of your race mode and you understand what it's like to be running with people around you, putting additional pressure on yourself to kind of perform and kind of trying to smooth out what you're talking about, which is these, the variabilities of just being on your own, whether that be overtraining because you're too tense or uh, under training because you're too relaxed. That's exactly what we've done with, I say we, Sarah's done. <laughs> I'm just there as sort of uh, coaching support, really. Um, but that, you know, the the closer she's got to the London Marathon, the more specific her training has become, the long, you know, obviously the, the short, long runs, that kind of stuff. But she started to do, you know, she's done a half marathon and she did it really well. She's She's got another one of those in, again, just to try to recreate that feeling. Uh, she's been doing a lot of running to heart rate monitors. And actually, I need to talk to her again because 
you know, there is some error in there. And I don't actually think that she's going to run with the heart rate monitor on. So she needs to do a long run, at least half marathon without that, and get into what it feels like. Or maybe even turn off, I'm going to suggest her to turn off the um, the range so it doesn't tell her when she's gone too high, too low, and just go and run to feel and see how close you can get the majority of that in that sort of zone two into zone three when you need it, that kind of vibe. Um, but yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that she's going to smash it. And even that, she's uh, she's going to do the London. That will be her first marathon. But that is all the trial for then to go on in September and do Dublin. So she's going to be learning a lot about all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm really proud of her, actually, because she's, she's taken on mm. the training bits and gone and not – yeah, she's just great. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to run a marathon anytime soon, but um, – it is cool when people are in the zone on it and they're actually doing the program, they're, they're ticking those boxes. It's good. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, definitely. Anyway, what's your, what's your training update? What are you up to? What are you working on? <clears throat> My training update has gone... So I've moved gyms and I'm now mm. working out of a space in Deptford, which is southeast London. You know it well, Nick, because you trained there for a couple of years, didn't you? Yeah. Um, it's quite a, it's a, it's a cool environment. Um, I've done that for a couple of reasons. So some of it is just to build out <clears throat> a one-to-one in-person business in one location. Cause I'm just doing a lot of traveling around London at the moment. And it's, um, it, it's working with good people, but consolidating one or two days in one area would be great. And then some internal factors, which is that post COVID now not having my own studio, I'm just I've realized that I'm a pack animal and I've been out in the wilderness a little bit and I just need to be around, you know, trainers with different ideas, people that are busy, people that are really enjoying their jobs. Cause you just, I just spend a lot of time on my own. I've got great clients and we have great conversations, but I'm always there as the position of authority. So we're not, there isn't parity between us. And I think that's kind of what I'm looking for, looking forward to being part of a team and stuff. And so I've got some of that. Um, the actual day-to-day of my own personal training has gone shifted into a more like minimum effective dose, whereas before I was training quite hard to um, a thing, you know, more at the other end of the scale, like what I could maximally recover from. So quite lots of heavy sets, um, lots of volume, and that really does kick your ass. So now I'm just seeing what I can get away with, what's the minimum I can get away with and and, <laughs> and make progress I must say, I'm actually following a program. So that's not something that I'm doing for myself. I'm actually following somebody else. Is So we do practice what we preach here. We do ask other people to help coach us and help us on our journey. So shout out to Angus Bradley. Um, I'm doing his GPP program at the moment. So he's covering lots of bases. I've got some jumping in there, which I haven't done for a long, long time. I think without any rugby in my life now, just training... I want my training to kind of feel a little bit more athletic rather than just some of that static stuff. So there's some Olympic lifts in there, some hop, skipping and jumping, which has been cool. And I'm not, I'm leaving the, this is actually quite, you know, so a lot of people be like, I don't care about your training, man. Fair enough. But one of the interesting things about this minimum effective dose is finishing lots of sessions, being like, yeah, that was good, made some progress. And then by the end of the day, being like, oh, I'm ready to go again. As in, I can't wait for the, the next day's training and i think that is a great place to be in uh for the majority of your training if you're looking forward to the next session looking for you know because you know it's not going to be like kicking your ass it's not a drag so it's ticking a lot of boxes in terms of performance but also enjoyment and that's how you just string together like i've done well pretty much every week since you know i've, I've barely missed a session since coming back from um, south africa at christmas so it's testament to just getting in there and like wanting to do the work, which is, which means it's a good program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on that um, with Angus in the future. Um, mm. So yeah, I think no, I think it's it's really valuable. I think there's massive crossover from from the approach that you're taking into probably what most kind of like you know busy people trying to find out a path that's right for them. You know, I think that there's a lot of uh, 
there'll be a lot of interest in in, in, a, in an approach that is is based built around what's okay what what can i get away with and then carry on all the other aspects of my life which don't stop because i want to get fit and healthy <laughs> um so yeah that, and there's like know, a big credit, movement credit at the moment big movement at the moment for this idea of like sort of concurrent training and just being able to do a little bit of everything and it not having you know as long as it's sensibly programmed like you can do you know you're not you're not doing a leg day after you've gone for a big run but you can concurrently train different qualities uh, to varying degrees depending on what on what outcomes you want but um yeah that's kind of cool because certainly for the people that i train and i include myself in this like i'm just an average joe with a sort of uh, a, a weird obsession with the gym but and and so it has to kind of keep it has to remain in, interesting you know the, the sort of one side of it is like at one end it's the powerlifting it's just three movements bench squat and deadlift like it's quite a niche thing just to go in day out day out and day in day out and just do those kind of things i need my training to be a little bit more varied and the science supports that you can be quite varied. Um, and if you are going to do a sport, and like I would say like a marathon is, you know, training for something specific, that is going to do 90% of what you need in order to run a marathon. So your training can be a little bit more general. Um, if you're playing team sport, you know, you don't have to re recreate your sport in the gym. You can just train certain qualities, some strength, some power, some endurance stuff, and let the sport then do what it needs to do in you know whatever sport that is change of direction stuff and skill specific things yeah and i think that's most people most people are uh, quote naval most people are generalists in their life like we we need to be good at finance we need to be good at relationships we need to be good at communication so you know everyone's told like stick to what you know and, and play to your strengths but we all want to be generally fit and healthy that's that's ultimately what most people have as a, as a goal and in a way that's part of the problem because they're not being specific therefore they're not focused around their outcomes but but i think yeah that that's kind of like generalist approach and being being a decent at strength decent at cardiovascular fitness decent at, at some other bits that are really interesting to you i think that's definitely an approach that i've i've probably coached most of my guys to to do uh, and keep the elements in that, that they want to do so you know if someone wants to run and their goal is to add muscle, I'm not going to absolutely remove it because it's not aligned with their goal. Yeah, you have to take a, a hybrid approach in, 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 in life. I would, sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think when what's also been interesting for me around the minimum, what I would, yeah, so I'm calling this program like a minimum effective dose is that, um, I, and I'm sure other people are guilty of this as well, is like looking at other people on the internet and stuff and the stuff they're doing and, and then trying to recreate that in your own life. And I always, and I forget that, you know, like I'm in the industry and I've got a lot of time to, or I make a lot of time to train and it is important to me, but there are people like beyond where I'm, where I'm at. And I'm always comparing myself to those and then wondering why I can't stick at these uh, like ridiculous volumes or, you know, session frequencies and stuff or bring the right intensity to every session. It's just like, yeah, because you, you're nowhere close to um, a level in the, the same investment that they're making. And this is like giving me like a recalibration the other way. I think that about some of my clients sometimes or just other people that maybe, you know, are looking at different people on the internet. Like I'm weird. I train probably five, six days a week. If you're using me as a gauge of whether that, that means that you can be successful in your own fitness journey, for, don't forget that I'm at like one end of like the standard distribution. That is atypical and you don't need to do a lot of that stuff in order to get um, a lot of what most people want. So I'm sort of mm. learning that for myself yeah. as well. I mean, I mean, I, I basically follow everyone on Instagram. So I get up at 3 a.m. I run 20 <laughs> miles. Um, I had two hours in the ice bath. Then I do yoga for 45 minutes. Um, I'm doing strength training for two hours. Then I'm going to a photo shoot for about another four hours. And then basically back Where to bed. Where are you journaling? Where are you journaling? <laughs> See, there's always something you miss out, isn't there? Yeah, well, yeah. that's why you're not getting your results, mate. Too busy climbing you know mountains, and then there's no, there's... running marathons. And you're just not journaling. 
it's the eight hours meditation that I always try and squeeze in <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Mate. Yeah. Don't follow the, don't follow what people doing on Instagram. You're going to come very, very unstuck. Um, cool. You ready for section two of the podcast, Matt? I'm excited about this section because it's got a very serious name. Are you calling it the science segment? segment. I actually put science segment. Oh, uh, <laughs> balls it up. Science segment. It's not easy to say science. Yeah. Go on then. Lead us, so, lead us so, out. What science? What's, what's the science you've got for us? Well, there were two choices, but you didn't come back to me. So I'll go with the first one. Um, well, let me, let me, let me debate uh, the audience. So there were two, there were two options. Hunger signaling when on a diet was number one. And then number two was uh, there is no fat percentage set point, um, which is, I think, what I'll leave on tender hooks for, for the next episode. Um, so this, this comes from a, a, a snippet of me searching around the internet. Um, a guy called Bill Campbell, you're not aware of his work. He, he does a lot of um, uh, fitness science out of Miami. So he's got he's a PhD out of, out of the US, um, very well respected in, in the community. Um, was he, he was, on was he, oh, he was on, was he, was he the, um, Lane Norton's, uh, PhD professor? He wasn't, he wasn't. That's another guy no. called Don Lehman, I think, but he, they, 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 okay. they do know each other, obviously they're on the, on the same sort Fine. of circuit. And I think they're both right. down in Florida. No, I've heard, I've um, heard of Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. He's big in, in sports and nutrition, um, and sports exercise, physiology, science. He's not nutrition necessarily. So, He's got performance lab um, and he was on a podcast and he meant he just mentioned something in passing that I think is really, really interesting and something that I'm definitely going to look into in more detail. So this is this will be a short sciencey segment because I don't have loads of information to share and I don't want to, um, anyone glazing over. <laughs> so hunger signaling. Uh, and he's, he's, he's suggesting that this is linked to a drop in lean tissue. So let me, let me put that in, in another way. So people go, you go on a diet, um, which means a reduction in, in total calories. So you're, you're eating less, um, and, and your body weight is dropping now. Um, yes, your fat mass, the amount of fat you've got, which obviously is the goal to reduce the fat, um, it will, will go down um, if you're being effective in, in how in your methods. Um, but you're also going to lose muscle mass uh, to a certain extent, maybe bone density, but let's not think about that too much, but muscle mass, which is your other probably biggest number in terms of weight. Um, and what he's saying is that you could lose the fat if it was, if, if you were able to stick someone in a lab and, and measure everything and ensure I don't know, this is this isn't possible with science at the moment but ensure that they only spot reduced fat wouldn't we love that um then his suggestion would be that the, your hunger signaling wouldn't massively be affected but because of the way that our body works and and we're always trying to um balance everything and create uh, homeostasis create a balance within the body and, and kind of uh, stay stay the same uh, you're, you're going to drop fat. You're also going to drop muscle mass. The, the loss of muscle mass, which is lean tissue, that's what I'm talking about, means that your hunger hormones will be impacted. Um, and that's probably why people find it so hard to adhere to a diet because they they see the scales going down great, but then suddenly the, the hunger side of it kicks in and obviously everything going on in terms of the lifestyle you live and the, the world that we live in as well is plays a factor but that reduction in in kind of muscle mass is is a real problem for for, for a sustainable fat loss approach um so that that is basically his findings um which I, which and so I find these really, people really that are losing the muscle mass these people that are losing the muscle mass they're are they training as well or they're just they're just in a calorie deficit and going about their their day so, so, and that comes on to see so that comes on to, to, to kind of the, the point really, which is if you're only focusing, if you're siloed in your thinking, thinking, I just need to sort my nutrition out and drop fat and <clears> drop <throat> weight. Um, and you don't have a good kind of muscle building approach or muscle maintaining, we should say muscle maintaining mm. approach through training, through resistance training, then you're setting yourself up for a massive failure. 
because you, you know mm. trying to balance out those hunger signals is going to be really really hard and and your life will just become pretty miserable so you know his recommendation is you you have to have both you have to have a a resistance training program that is maintaining your muscle you have to have adequate protein um and therefore you're still you're creating the, the best environment it's still not optimal because you're going to be in a caloric deficit if you want to drop weight and fat. Um, but you're going to give yourself a best ta- best chance because you're going to be trying to maintain, we're going to have a system in place to maintain uh, your muscle mass. Yeah. And then, and so also being in a calorie deficit, a, a good plan, you know, as you said, it's, there's a, there's a weight training plan. There's a high protein uh, maybe leaning towards more high protein diet, maintaining the calorie deficit, um, just to bring back that idea of minimum effective dose. Because you're in a calorie deficit, the training needs to be um, intelligent in its design. So when you are running, you know, like I said, when you're running in a calorie deficit, you're probably not going to be training the hardest that you could possibly train because that's hard to recover from you're already in a calorie deficit so you're probably going to be going towards a minimum effective dose uh what's um a minimum effective dose strategy so what's the minimum you can get away with in order to promote or sustain that muscle that you currently have whilst also not driving hunger too high and remaining in a calorie deficit whereas if you were in a the opposite of that would be to be in a calorie surplus because you're trying to get absolutely hench then because you've got calories to play with, you can go for a more max recoverable volume approach and train with a little bit more volume, maybe a little bit more intensity um, for a sustained period in order to go the other way. But let's stay on, uh, let's stay on topic in the science section. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm always trying to think firstly, how can I, how can I make it simple enough so I can understand it? Cause I'm not that bright. Um, but also how, how can I, how can it, how can it be, how can we how can we take lessons from like quite very very high level um scientific experiments that are done inside a lab and and kind of you know disseminate some of that information that's that's a purpose of this podcast to a certain extent um if you don't have a good strength program resistance program and you want to lose weight and we see this, don't we, January? And most people don't. Like most people I speak to who are like, oh, Nick, what do I need to do to get a stay fit? Or what do I need to do to lose the belly? You know, it's the same chat that we always have all the time. Um, they don't have a resistance program in place. They don't understand what a good strength strategy is or to build muscle. Then, you know, I guess the point of this segment really is to maybe switch your thinking to how can I build muscle? Yeah. Versus I, I want to lose weight. And I think that's that's actually a liberating um, transition to make because we're going from a, a, a loss, a reductionist approach to kind of like removing things from life to actually how can I add? I, I want to add muscle. I want to understand how I can add protein. How can I, how can I, you know, how can I live in, a, in abundance in, in that sense? Um, and I think, you know, if you start thinking about things slightly differently, it can be really powerful to, to help to actually promote that but 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 the bottom line is simple like if you're, if you're trying to lose weight and you're not resistance training you're gonna struggle yeah and uh, with all these the, the the nutrition chat and you know we are we are not nutritionists but we we can dip in and out of it to a degree like it is very difficult to get too specific because we don't have you know we've done avatars in the past and, you know, there is, a, there is a difference between somebody who is like, I would say like for myself, who's somebody who, who has these other big rocks in place. If I want a little bit of drop a little bit of body fat because I'm going on holiday and I want to have a look, uh, you know, a sick rig on the beach. That's a, that's a very different starting point to somebody that needs to lose body fat that has maybe struggled with it for years, decades even. And yes, they're going to have to be in a calorie deficit, but that is not a forever strategy. Eventually there needs to be an exit from that. And that is very, you know, to set the context for these individual cases um, is not always that easy in, in like a, in a short podcast, because, you know, when people are losing the body fat, 
yeah, okay, the hunger signals are going, and maybe they don't have they they, they don't have the <clears throat> the resistance training in place. They are still being successful, and they should be commended for that. But it's 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 maybe they're making a rod for their own back. Maybe it could be a little bit easier if they were doing the resistance training. But also, you know, for lots of for, for lots of people, because the obesity thing is just probably it is getting worse. Is how how are you approaching the next stage once because that diet has been successful if you've lost body fat but it's about not putting it back on those are the those those are the conversations um you know the reintroduction of calories and that is often nothing to do with the numbers i find certainly with the people that i do this is about identity it's about aligning things with values i mean you touched on stuff that we talked about in previous podcasts, which was all about the New Year's resolutions and making, you know, living a life of addition rather than living one of, you know, subtraction and I've got to stop doing this and I've got to take this out and I've got to take this out in a world of, you know, certainly in the Western world, in the world of abundance, that is just a very difficult mindset to maintain all the time. Um, and actually, it is interesting what Dr. Bill Campbell has put, you know, he's been able to put numbers to it. Uh, but for a lot of people, it's it's not the numbers that are going to help them. It's it's the language and the story, and the habits and the behaviours that then get them into those numbers that they that are going to help them long term. Um, yeah. 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 I think you're right. I think. But you're it, right. it does make it, sense, it, right? If you if if you're in, sorry, Nick, I interrupted you there. Carry on, mate. Um. No, I wasn't going to make a, a, a great point to be honest with you, but it, 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 you're, you're, you're posing the same. I think you're coming kind of from the same perspective as me when you say like it's 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 really hard to give specific advice to someone listening when we don't know their current situation. So how can we generalize? What can we say that might be helpful? And this is the purpose of kind of this segment really is like we, we're all looking for that that dial that number in the dial to, to move us move the lock to the next step and then we're going to dial it dial it again to get the next number and the next number next number to hopefully unlock this this conundrum that we're all facing in terms of like the human condition in a modern world um and it's it you know m maybe this is maybe this is that that bit of information that you needed to start thinking about things slightly differently to to help you progress to that next step mm. So the hot the hot take from this week's sciencey segment is that if you are going to go on a diet, get in the gym and lift some weights. That's the hot take. Yeah, earth shattering. And that means you're going to be. <laughs> well, I mean, just to, I've been running an experiment. I've sort of broken it now. But I was early in this year. I was not having my phone in the gym, right? And so we went through that January period and I was able to, while I was taking my rest between sets and, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I was able to just sort of observe the general public. And, you know, just going to the gym is, is not enough. I've seen a lot of just guff work going on. And phones are not helpful because people are getting distracted. So they're slow. It's taken ages. But just the amount of stuff that people do that is just not, it's not even about a technique thing. It just lacks any sort of intensity. Now, again, you can't speak for everybody. Maybe people are there for different reasons, headspace, et cetera, et cetera. But if we just cleared that, if you're on a diet, that was the hot take, go to the gym and get a resistance training program. But as part of that is going to require, even if it's minimum, whether it's minimum effective dose or if it's max recoverable volume, you've actually got to put some effort in because I see a lot of people in this first quarter of the year going to the gym, making that time in their week, and they're just not training to any effort at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Young, old, men, women, just so many sets that are just sort of wasteful. <laughs> Train harder, people. Well, yes. And I think I think given the time we've got, we, we're going to skip section three and go on to section four, which is our grumpy gripes rant, which uh, oh, links perfectly, segues perfectly to what you just said, which is, um, yeah. So, I uh, man, I don't want to get into this, but yeah. So we God, that sounded in a really ominous, now. Nick. Yeah. So it sounded like you've really situation. 
Well, there, there, Sorry, there, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot you could could gripe about, and I know I'm probably sounding like an old man at 44, but which is why I've got you here, Matt, to kind of be that young, young, young sounding board. But like the ever, level of effort required for you to make a difference is not what you're currently doing. Otherwise, you'd be making a difference. Um, surprise, surprise. So you're going to have to get uncomfortable and what do I see out in the world? <clears throat> Bearing in mind, I've just come back with spending uh, seven days with 10 people trying to get them up a mountain. Um, and you like the, the level of comfort that we have in today's society has just created such a softness around pretty much most people that I meet. Now, obviously I've got a jilted view of the world. Um, I come from elite, forces background um i've got obviously got an advanced training um education background um i've done lots of different events i've done lots of hard things however i'm still coming at it from kind of just a guy trying to get through life and so many people just hold themselves back because they're so comfortable they're so comfortable and suddenly you throw a little bit of adversity their way, whether it's take their phone away reduce wi-fi for, for a few days or change the their diet, their, what their food they've got access to, um, or make them sleep in a tent, and suddenly they're unable to cope. And it's it's it it's just it is it is it's it's sad. I want to say laughable, but it's not laughable. It's not laughable at all. It's it's sad the 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 limitations that we put around ourselves because of the the modernity that we live in that's uh, given us an inability to actually feel be dis, be uncomfortable without kind of moaning griping um and kind of telling the whole world about how hard life is when actually you know it's not that tough really and you will get through it and surprise <laughs> surprise you know, any anyone that ha- anyone that went through that process on the mountain they got out the other end and they're really grateful that they pushed themselves um and actually kind of almost um was remorseful that they they kind of went through that psychological cycle of like oh i don't want to do it my feet hurt or you know oh sleeping in a tent's really hard um even if you've had nine ten hours sleep do you know what i mean so it's yeah it's it's uh it's something that i've thought a lot about over the last few weeks and the only final thing i want to add in that before we jump in is you know a lot of my generation, the older generation, kind of hammer on how um, how um, soft the new, the younger generations are. But I mean, that would be a current theme. Like that would have been a theme for my parents, grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. Do you know what I mean? So, firstly, that's that's not really a gripe worth griping about. But I, I haven't seen that. I've seen people in their twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties all the same in this space all not really liking being uncomfortable not really liking i wouldn't even call it discomfort to be honest with you i just call it being outdoors um so it's not a generational <laughs> thing it's not it's nothing like that it's just it's just it's just what we've what we what we used to it's amazing how comfortable we've got yeah I think, uh, you know, like you said, it is funny because the older generations have been saying that about you, you're saying it about me and I'm saying it about my cousin and it it goes down and down and down. Um, We seek out comfort. Um, There's a lot about modern life that is that is great. That reflective, you know, I, I think actually, well, maybe maybe I've got a skewed view of this, but I I do believe that people they can feel the lack of um, adversity or uh, maybe they might not be able to dis- explain it, but you know, like you say, you take nine people up a mountain and they've all identified with it being a successful thing. Like being a little bit uncomfortable was a positive thing. The lack of that in their lives, I, you know, like, yeah, like I said, maybe people can't articulate it, but that idea of being a bit restless or bored that, you know, dare I say, um, a bit depressed that we can all be um, they're all ma- perhaps manifestations of this the fact that we're just not very good at um, being or tackling being uncomfortable and you know it's <laughs> you can only need to look at the internet to people talking about going the other way and talking about their grind and 
especially in the gym, this is the hardest thing I've done. And you're just, I'm suffering in the gym. He's like, mate, this is it. Like that's, if that's what you're suffering through, this is, this is easy. It makes a good video. People getting pumped up with some good music, but it's like, mate, it's just the gym. But that is one of the only tools that a lot of us can, you know, certainly I can think of in order to get uncomfortable. And even for me, with all the knowledge that I have, I still have to outsource to, to some degree uh, the responsibility of the programming just to make sure that there's enough stimulus there to make progress, but also that there are some things in there that are just fucking hard work uh, just for the sake of them being hard work, because I wouldn't program them for myself. Or it would be very, you know, they, it would be sparing. So, yeah, what we want is more self-reflection people. If you've got that restful feeling, restless feeling, get, like Nick said, go outside. Yeah, and I think, you know, how do you solve this? And I, I don't think there's a simple solution. I, like a lot of things we talk about, I don't think there's, a, there's, no, there's no general solution that we can, we can apply to this kind of like uh, grumpy moan. Um, but well, you pass what, it down, what, though, what, don't you? Is that, isn't, that, isn't that right? You pass it down, you've got two kids. Um, and, you know, this is just a, this is something that you have observed from the very fact that you've just been on the earth longer than, you know, a lot of people. I was going to say everyone there, but you're, you're a young man, Nick. You're a young man. But you do have experience. You know, you've got, you've got eight years experience on me in terms of this thing we called life. And so the way you address it is by doing things like this so talking about it you know we're, we're putting it in the in the moany section of the podcast but when you're having real conversations with clients um when that person's boring you down the boozers telling you about their shit workout that you don't want to hear about what you can really do is use that as an opportunity just to have this gripe again and uh, start beating your chest and but really what i'm saying is that we've got to pass it down we've got to pass it down and say look this because you're also saying this about yourself as well. You're not. You're not. You're not saying saying you're holier than thou. And and then you can build rapport with whoever you're talking to about it. But that's that's how we do it. We we observe and then talk about it and pass it down to the next person that wants to listen, whether that's the next generation or not. It doesn't I don't I th think it really matters or or appear. I think yeah, you're you're right, and you know the bucks. I think. Yeah, so let's 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 wrap up with these two points then. So it's about responsibility, firstly, owning where you're at, understanding where you're at and owning it and then finding a mechanism, a coach, a, an accountability partner, a, a system, whatever the process needs to be for you to actually get push into that discomfort. Uh, if it's fitness that's your weakness, then push into it. There will be other areas of life where you've succeeded in in feeling the discomfort to push through, to have success. That's the only way you get success. So be accountable, be responsible for where you're at and what you need to change. Um, and then, you know, take solace in in, in the fact that, it, you know, it, it's a, it is solvable. Um, you just need to push into it. And there are, there are lots of ways that you can do that, lots of ways you can do it, and you can build up really, really slowly. The, the final thing um, is the objective measure. So if, you, you know, we, we're so good at telling ourselves stories, finding excuses why we don't want to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm the best at that. Do you know what I mean? Finding something to distract myself on. Um, and that's where you need an objective measure. Okay, right. How many miles have I run this week? Okay, how much? How many times have I been to the gym? How many? How much? How, you know, can I score the RPA, the 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 the, the intensity of, of that lift or intensity of that workout? You know, something something that's going to force you to actually make improvements um, in in your day to day kind of fitness journey. Yeah, nothing to add. Nothing to add. Cool. It's handy because we're out of time. <laughs> well i don't know whether we're going to stop now but this this was much better right than riverside yeah. this worked this worked no problems matt yeah so i'll, no I'll leave problems. this second because uh, it's funny funny for people to understand the technical challenges that we have well let's let's put it let's put it out there we've had an absolute fucking mare with riverside <laughs> now whether it's my and and like i said to you in our in our text that i i've heard people slagging it off on uh, other podcasts and stuff i'm not sure whether it's the same problems my fear is always because i'm a complete luddite that it's it's my fault and there was definitely something going on at my end but i pulled in a tech man we recorded a very 
awful 45 minutes of us both just staring at each other. Not you and I, Nick, but me and Charlie. Shout out, Charlie. Well done, mate. <laughs> and then it all fucked up again. So <clears throat> this was much better. And uh, you sound beautiful. And I suspect that, am I looking a bit fuzzy? Because you've gone a little bit, you know, as it's doing that upload thing or whatever it does. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The picture's not quite as sharp. I look great. But that, that's that's bit, what you need. Though. That's, what you need. That's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at these so greys unbelievable I, I think that's a good nice. outro mate i think that's a good outro for the for the podcast we'll stop it there people thinking about my mustache <laughs>